to the last book of the Old Testament, the book of Malachi. Chapter 1. Here is the precious and infallible word of our God. Malachi 1. The burden of the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. I have loved you, says the Lord, yet ye say, Wherein hast thou loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother, says the Lord? Yet I loved Jacob, and I hated Esau, and laid his mountains and his heritage waste for the dragons of the wilderness. Whereas Edom says, We are impoverished. But we will return and build the desolate places. Thus says the Lord of hosts. They shall build, but I will throw down. And they shall call them the border of wickedness and the people against whom the Lord has indignation forever. And your eyes shall see, and ye shall say, The Lord will be magnified from the border of Israel. A son honors his father, and a servant his master. If then I be a father, where is my honor? And if I be a master, where is my fear? Saith the Lord of hosts unto you, O priests, that despise my name, and ye say, Wherein have we despised thy name? Ye offer polluted bread upon my altar, and ye say, Wherein have we polluted thee? In that ye say, the table of the Lord is contemptible. And if ye offer the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? And if ye offer the lame and sick, is it not evil? Offer it now unto thy governor, will he be pleased with thee, or accept thy person, saith the Lord of hosts. And now I pray you, Beseech God that he will be gracious unto us. This has been by your means. Will he regard your persons, saith the Lord of hosts? Who is there even among you that will shut the doors for naught? Neither do ye kindle fire on my altar for naught. I have no pleasure in you, saith the Lord of hosts. Neither will I accept an offering at your hand. For from the rising of the sun, even unto the going down of the same, my name shall be great among the Gentiles. And in every place incense shall be offered unto my name. And a pure offering for my name shall be great among the heathen, saith the Lord of hosts. But ye have profaned it, in that ye say, The table of the Lord is polluted, and the fruit thereof, even his meat, is contemptible. Ye said also, Behold, what a weariness is it, and ye have snuffed at it, saith the Lord of hosts, and ye brought that which was torn, and the lame and the sick, thus ye brought an offering. Should I accept this of your hand, saith the Lord? But cursed 
be the deceiver, which has in his flock a male and voweth, and sacrifice unto the Lord a corrupt thing. For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name is dreadful among the heathen. Thus far, we read the infallible word of our God. Dear church family, today's message is from the last book of the Old Testament, namely Malachi. So the prophet Malachi, the name which means God's messenger, he was living in the time after. Ezra's arrival in Judah about four fifty years before Jesus firstly came, and that time, under that time, still those Israelites were under the ruling of Persian after exile. So during that time, the people of Israel already came back to their homeland for around a hundred years. However, they were still discouraged and very hopeless. Why? Because they do not see a glorious messianic age which was prophesied hundred years ago. On the contrary, they still under the ruling of Persian, and they are still experiencing the poverty. So their hearts are full of doubts, confusion, impatience, and unbelief. So, as we can see in the chapter two, verse seventeen, they ask, "Where is God? Where is the God of judgment? Where is the God of faithfulness?" They do not see God. They think that God has forsaken them. God has changed His love. God has changed His promises to them, and the result of this thinking are their disobedience, their arrogance, and their lethargy. Therefore, at this point, what will God do? As we see our text today, from one to five, we see the gracious and covenantal God sends His messenger Malachi to give this message to them, to rebuke them, but at the same time to comfort them and give them hope. Although this message is. Addressed to those Israelite at that time, but also this is the word of God also given to us as God's people today. God's words is never outdated. So in our text, we can see that our God is showing, showing all of you His unchanging love, His sovereign love. Toward his people, and also it will give you the joy. It will give you the joyful praise. 
So our theme today is God's unchangeable love or God's unchanging love. First, we will see we will see four points. First, love declared, which we can find in two A. Second, love questioned from two B, and third, love demonstrated from two C to four, and fourth, love praised. Verse five. So four points: love declared, love questioned, love demonstrated, and love praised. So, dear church family, what do you expect if you did a wrong thing? Maybe as a children, as a child, you may expect some punishments from your parents. As a student, you may expect some rebukes from your teachers. As an employee, you may expect some warnings from your boss. Likewise, when God sent His messenger Malachi to those disobedient and rebellious Israelites, we may assume God would rebuke them. Severely, you are such a rebellious people. I will send my judgment unto you. No, God speaks here with a simple sentence, very simple and loving sentence. God says, "I have loved you." What a powerful and. Comforting and simple sentence that God says to those Israelites: "I have loved you." In Hebrews, only two words to express this God's divine love, His mercy toward His people. In in Hebrew, the word indicates that God loved Israel before. And he still loves them right now, even though they're complaining, they're sinning against their Creator, their Lord, and their God, who brought them out of the land of Egypt. Considering considering the history of Israel, you may ask, why God still loved them? Why does God still love them? It does not make sense. Israel is such a rebellious nation. Its people always go astray, always look onto Egypt again and again, always return to the idols again and again. They desire to go back to the wicked land instead of staying God's promised land. They always, they always murmured. They always complained to the Lord, to their leaders. So why does God still love them? Why did God love them before? Because God is a faithful and unchanging God. He does not change. He keeps his covenant. 
Let's turn to Deuteronomy. If you have Bible, turn to Deuteronomy 7, 6 to 8. The Bible says, For thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God has chosen thee to be a special people unto himself. Above all people that are upon the face of the earth, The Lord did not set his love upon you, nor choose you, because ye were more in number than any people, for ye were the fewest of all people. But because the Lord loved you, because he would keep the oath which he has sworn unto you, your fathers. God loved them because God is God. He never changed. He can choose whatever He wishes. And thus He chose Israel, which we will see in our second point. Also, God loved them and still loved them because He keeps His oath. He keeps His command covenant, which He made with their forefathers. He is the Father. He is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. He loved them because He is covenant-keeping God. And He will remain faithful to His people. He loved them in remembrance of His mercy. Therefore, at this special moment, when all Israelites were discouraged, were backsliding, God reminds them, God reaffirms to them that He, Jehovah, loved them. It is not the human love. Because human love cannot endure forever. And many times we can echo, we can relate. Human love many times fails. But it is the love of our God. The love of our God never fail. Dear friends, even your close, very close friend, maybe your parents cannot love you this way. How many times our human love, humanly love, makes our own desire, makes our own lust with our own goal. How many times we want to love others with our way. And many times we fail. Because of sin. Because of the pollution of the sin in this world. There is no perfect love between people. However, God's love through His Son Jesus Christ is perfect He loves His people because He is that I am that I am. He loves His people because He is a faithful, true God, regardless of our unfaithfulness. He uses His perfect way to love His people for their good. He loved his people by simply declare, I have loved you. 
As John Calvin says, he did not press the authority which he possessed over all mankind in common. He did not use his authority to command them to rebuke them at this moment. But in the beginning, he speaks, I have loved you, says the Lord. So, dear believers, if God says, I have loved you, then what else do we need? What else do you need? It is enough. If God loves you, who can be against you? If God loves you, if you are truly His children, who can condemn you? If God loves you, if God loves you, who can take away His divine love from you? Nothing, nothing can separate you from the love of God, which is in Jesus Christ. Dear believers, God loves you because of His Son, not because of our deeds. Dear believer, think about it. Why does God love me? I'm such a filthy sinner. My work cannot earn any His divine love toward me, but He loves you because of His Son. He sees you through the lens of Jesus Christ who died on the cross for your sins so that you are no longer under the wrath of God. On the contrary, you are adopted and loved by God because of your union with God, with Christ. I have loved you, says the Lord, and I love you now, and I will love you forever. Dear beloved, dearly beloved, may this declaration of God become your only hope and joy. Today, God will not send another messenger messenger standing before you, telling you, I have loved you, but the whole Bible, He still used His servant to preach His word toward all His people, all sinners. The entire Bible is the voice of our Lord. He tells you through the redemptive history that He shows you His unchanging love in this redemptive history. May this can be your comfort. No matter what circumstances and situations you are going through, if you are a true believer, if you have true relationship with your Lord, you must know that God loves you right now. And His love to you never change because His love is secured in Jesus Christ. Come to His Word. Come to His Word again to be strengthened by His divine and unchanging love. Prayfully come to Him 
Pray to Him to reveal His love more and more to you. His love will never change. But He can reveal His love to you more and more so that you can taste, you can see Jesus Christ more and more through His Word. Pray, oh dear believers, and you will know Him more. You will know Him better. When you know Him better, then you will love Him more. And remember, you can love Him because He loved you first. In the so remarkably, however, this love is recklessly questioned. You may think that when those Israelites heard the the loving declaration of their Lord, I have loved you, then they might be they might be stirring up. They might be cheerful. However, the reality may surprise you. They respond to God with ingratitude. In our text, the Bible says, Wherein hast thou loved us? It sounds so ironic, isn't it? With one voice, all the people complain, ignoring all God's past and present mercies. They think that God has forsaken them. They forgot what God has done for them. As the psalmist says in Psalm 78, 11, forgot the, His works and His wonders that He had showed them. They think they are being treated unjustly. Their current condition does not match their expectation. One commentator speaks this way. Their history was crowded with proofs of God's kindness in the midst of His chastisements, but with perverse hearts they looked not at what He had left, but what He had taken. They forgot the period that there was no temple in Jerusalem for 70 years. Now they have God helped them to rebuild the temple. They forgot the period. They forgot that God moved the heart of Cyrus to allow them to go back to their homeland. They forgot that they are now in their homeland for almost a hundred years. They forgot God's grace and God's mercy. They forgot God's words, God's loving word to them. Their eyes were blind because of their current situation. Because by sight, they think those pagan nations, they live better than them. They thought God is unjust. They thought God treated their pagan nations better than theirs. 
That's why they murmured, they complained, they questioned. They ask such an evil question. Where hast thou loved us? In other words, where is your love? Where is your love? I cannot see it. Dear friends, you may, you may think these Israelites are very ridiculous. How come they forget God's grace to them? How come they can't ignore God's word to them? You may think if you were there, you would never ask such a reckless question. But however, dear church family, when we examine ourselves, when we think about our past, even now, maybe some of you, how many times when the things come into our life that does not match our expectation, how many times you complain, you murmured, I complained, I murmured. How many times do we ask, why does this happen to me? Why does this happen to me? Maybe we are not like those Israelites. See, where is God? But there are similar questions. We are the same when we complain, when we murmur in such situation. You are questioning. We are questioning God's divine love to us. We may think that God is treating you badly at this moment. Why does he treat him better? He's not a believer. I'm your child. You question God's divine love. Many times we have to confess that we are like those Israelites. We forget what He has done for us. We are trapped by our current situation. We interpret as God having forsaken us. When we experience great trials, we are prone to forget that God uses this affliction to refine His people for their good. When we are in such great trials, in such great sufferings, God wants us to depend on Him more and more. God wants us to to meditate on Jesus more and more so that we can be like Him more and more. God, if you are His children, God uses these occasions to refine you for your good. But we forgot these. We don't know these. Sometimes we reject these. We forget that even when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, God is always with us. And if any of you, any of us, are backsliding, you may not feel much of God's love. 
And you may think you are separated from the love of Christ. As a result, you have turned your back to God and returned to this world. But you have forgotten, dear friends, dearly beloved, you have forgotten that you were purchased by Christ's precious blood. You may ask, Lord, where is your love? I cannot experience it. Dearly beloved, when you are in such situations, when you question, when you doubt, when you complain, when you murmur, remember, remember, God has loved you. And He does love you now, and He will love you until the end. You should always interpret God's providence in the light of His love rather than rending His love off our interpretation of His providence. I urge you, I urge you to turn unto the Lord praying for His help and do not doubt about His unchanging love. Because he says, I have loved you. I pray, I pray that all of us can cry out like Job. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Because he says, I have loved you. So though the Israelites question God's love, God Prove it by demonstration. This is our third point. Love demonstrated. The Israelites respond to God's declaration with ingratitude. Surprisingly, God still does not rebuke them immediately for their ignorance. On the contrary, He acts like a merciful Father like a patient father demonstrating to them how he loved them. I will address this in two sub-points. First, by election. You can find in verse 2b to verse 3. The Bible says, Was not Esau Jacob's brother? Says the Lord. And I hated Esau and laid his mountains and his heritage waste for the dragons of the wilderness. Here, God uses a very simple example that all Israelites should know because it is about their forefathers, Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel later. So boys and girls, children, I believe you know this story very well, don't you? Jacob and Esau were the sons of Isaac and Rebekah, and Esau was Jacob's older brother. And he should have received the blessing of the birthright, but he sold his birthright for a bowl of soup. So when we read from Genesis from 25 to 30, 
you may find that Jacob is such a deceitful person because he used all his human-like tricks to deceive his brothers and his fathers. And he always tried to handle things by himself, by his own strength. Was not Jacob a sinful person? However, maybe when we observe Esau, we may think that he is a good one. He was a, he was a good person. He likes hunting, and he is very energetic. In our eyes, maybe we will think that Esau is better than Jacob. However, God's ways is higher than man's ways. God says, I loved Jacob and I hated Esau. Here, love and hate demonstrate God's sovereign election. In other words, I chose Israel, I chose Jacob, and I rejected Esau. I have blessed you, the children of Israel, who are now complaining to me. However, I have cursed the children of Esau by laying his mountains and his heritage waste for the dragons of the wilderness. God tells those Israelites that he loved them by his sovereign and unconditional election. Is Jacob better than Esau? Is Jacob better than Esau? No. They were both sinners. Has Jacob done something good to earn God's favor? No. Both of them cannot do anything. Then why? Why Jacob? Why Jacob? We find this answer from Romans 9.11. It says, For the children, being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God, according to election, might stand, not of works, but of Him that calleth. It is not about them. It is about our God, our sovereign God, who does everything, who does everything according to His will. He says in Romans 9, 15, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. Therefore, God here shows He's rebellious people, that He is the sovereign God, that He loved them because He chose them to be His covenantal people. He chose them unconditionally according to His will. He chose Israel for His treasure. When Israel says, in what manner you loved us? God answered, I loved you 
because I chose Jacob unto myself and chose you as my people unconditionally, not because what you have done, but because I am the Lord. Dear church family, dear church family, when you are afflicted or you are backsliding, maybe you are now experiencing the suffering, afflictions. Do not doubt if God still loves you and cares about you. May this truth remind you again, if you are a true believer, God chose you as His peculiar treasure. God chose you because He loves you. And thus He sent His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, dying on the cross for your sins. And you can be saved. And all your sins are forgiven. And you may call Him Abba Father because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. He will not change His love to you because He is not a man. He changes not. He loves you not according to your deeds. We cannot do anything good. He loves you because He already chose you from eternity in Jesus Christ. When you meditate on this loving election, then you will be filled. You will be filled of great comfort. You will be filled with great gratitude. But now I want to address to those who are now sitting in our midst, but who do not believe in Jesus Christ yet. You may have heard so many times the gospel, but in your heart you do not regard Him as your personal Lord. You may think you have right doctrine. You may think if God chose choose someone and reject someone according to His own will, then we will be all rejected because we cannot do something. We cannot do anything. Yet in some degree, it is true. But it is true. It is true that all people cannot do anything good to earn God's favor unto salvation. However, dear friends, this sovereign election should not discourage you, should not prevent you come to Jesus. On the contrary, it should give you more hope and joy. Why? Because you don't know if you are chosen. You may think you have no hope because you are terrible sinners, but the good news is that Jesus came for sinners. Jesus came into the world to save sinners. He did not come to the world to save good people because no one is good. No one is good. He came to save thieves. He came to save adulterers. He came to save robbers. 
Why not you? Do not make any excuses. Bow down before the feet of your Lord. Bow down before the sovereign God. You should have more hope because God is unchanging. That's why you can put your hope in Him. Our human beings are changing, always changing, but He is not changing. That's your hope and your joy, dear friends. Come to Jesus Christ. Repent of your sins and run to Jesus. He is able. He is able to save you because He is the sovereign Lord. He is ruling over all things. He is the sovereign Lord who says, I loved Jacob and I hated Esau. So, we can see from the text, the Lord declared His love not only by showing His sovereign election, but also by His protective preservation. We can see this from verse 4. So the Edom wants to return and build the desolate places by their unbelief and arrogance. They thought they could use their power to do whatever they want. God already sent so many prophets to send the judgment to those people of Eden. We can see in Ezekiel 35 and Obadiah, God told Edom that they would be most desolate. They would be stubble and they would be devout. No one may remain of the house of Esau. However, God's warning, God's judgment does not cause them to repent. On the contrary, they thought, they thought they could do everything they want. They could do whatever they want. They even think they would have a revival. They said, we are impoverished, but we will return and build the desolate places. They thought that their wickedness will have a revival. So how does God respond to their ego? They may build, but I will throw down. It is sarcastic, isn't it? No matter, no matter how much effort they may show forth, no matter how much effort they are doing, no, no matter how much idea they're thinking, God says, I will throw down. In other words, all your, all your workings, all your doings are just vanity. Are just vanity in my sight. But what about God's people? When they're in exile, when, they're, when they were captivated in another place, when God's temple and the walls 
were destroyed by enemies, when they were in such distress, when they seemed like they have no hope. How does God say? God speaks so many times through the prophet, such as Isaiah forty-four: "Ye shall be built, and I will raise up the decayed places thereof." When the land of Judah was desolate, the Lord spoke to spoke to them through the prophet Zechariah: "I am returned." To Jerusalem with mercies, my houses shall be built in it," says the Lord of Hosts, and a line shall be stretched forth upon Jerusalem. He will help them to return back to their land. What a contrast, isn't it? On here, this side. The wicked, they want to build their own places, but God will say, "I will put it to the waste. I will throw it down." But when God's people are experiencing the desolate, the distress, God says to them, "I will build you up. I will build you up." Unchanging God, by His love, by His mercy, by His grace, He protects His people. He preserves them for future joy and gladness. When the enemies of God boasting for their wisdom, boasting for the power they have, God will eventually destroy their work. Because they are under the wrath of God, they have nothing to boast about. But when the children of God were struggled, God comforts them and eventually lifts them up at the due time, because they are under the love of Him. One group under the wrath of God, one group under the love of God. Dear church family, may this truth comforts you and stir you up. When you doubt God's love, when you complain, murmuring about your current situation, when you compare yourself with others, maybe many times we compare ourselves with other unbelievers. Why they're so rich? Why they're so in, in such a prosperity? We may think, is God silent now? But dear believers, remember, God is never stop His working. He is still working. He is always building you. Establishing you, even though sometimes we cannot feel it, but by faith, by faith, you must trust that God loved you as His children. He will protect you and preserve you according to His sovereign purpose. He will make all things, all things, 
good for those who love Him. Even though you are experiencing the great trials, God still loves you by His protective perseverance. When you are struggled in this world, meditate on your Lord Jesus Christ. Meditate on His victorious work on the cross. You have victory in Him. You have Jesus. Even though you lose anything, even though you are experiencing anything, but God is with you because you have Christ, and then you have everything. But again, I want to speak to those who do not have a personal relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. You may think you have a good life. You may think you have good reputations. You may think you have a good family. You have money. Maybe you think you can't escape from God. Maybe you think you have done a lot of good things. Then you can escape from God. You think you are higher than God? You think that you can build up your own world without God? But I want to tell you that everything, if you are not a believer, everything you build up in this world will be thrown down. And eventually God will cast you out into eternal death if you don't repent to Him. Dear friends, dear friends, do not let your ignorance, do not let your arrogance, do not let your unbelief lead you to eternal desolation. Repent. Cry unto the Lord. Humble yourself before Him. Because He is the only way. He is the only way to the eternal life. Trust in Jesus. So after God demonstrated he, of His unchanging love by His sovereign election and His protective preservation. Then God promises the Israelites in verse 5, that this is our last point, And your eyes shall see, and ye shall say, The Lord will be magnified from the border of Israel. God not only just tell them patiently about how He loved them, but he also wants them to witness it. How gracious the Lord is. These grumbling Israelites who are now doubting the love of God, then would not then challenge God's love for them because their eyes 
would see God's love toward them. They would be lifted up and be filled with praise for His goodness and love. At that time, they would acknowledge that their Lord is their Lord. The Lord is just. The Lord is unchanging. They would they would realize that Yahweh, Jehovah, is their covenant God. He is the one true living God and who will be magnified in the whole world. This verse also predicts the coming, the first coming of Jesus Christ so that not only Jews but Gentiles would be united together in Jesus Christ. It's also shown in the, in the latter, latter verses in Malachi 1 that His name will be magnified that His name shall be great among the Gentiles because of Jesus Christ. He's coming because of the coming of Jesus Christ that all nations, all nations will magnify His name, the name of this triune God, the name of Lord Jehovah, the name of Jesus, the name of the Holy Ghost. Great is the Lord beyond the border of Israel. Dearly beloved, by faith you have seen Jesus because He truly came to this world 2,000 years ago. By faith from the Word you have seen Jesus. Your Lord has come. And He is now sitting at the right hand of His Father, always praying for you. Yes, as children, as Christians, we may doubt many times. We may think God has forsaken you many times. We have been separated from the love of Christ. However, the most beautiful thing is if you are a true believer, the Holy Spirit who dwells in you will eventually lift you up in due time if you are a true believer. By the work of the Holy Spirit, you will be eventually strengthened again. You will be reestablished by Him. And then at that time, you will behold the work of Jesus Christ again and praise Him. That's the most beautiful thing for our Christian today. You will confess again that He is your Lord. Then you will worship Him and praise Him with fervent heart. How beautiful this is. It is truly the way of our sanctification. When we see our life, our sanctification is not this way. It's this way. Many times we have suffered great trials. We murmured. We complained. We do not see the love of God in Christ. But if you are a true believer, 
He will use the means of grace, use the preaching of the word, use the words of your parents, use the words of other saints, use the word, use the means of your prayer, your personal devotion, your family worship. Use all means to lift you up again. This is the way of our sanctification. How beautiful this is, dearly beloved. Therefore, whenever you face difficulties, whenever you are going through the valley of the shadow of death, whenever you are under the situations that you don't understand, just like those Israelites, they do not understand. Why this is happening to you, to me? Whenever you encounter encounter all these situations, dearly beloved, pray to God and meditate on His unchanging love. Meditate on His unchangeable love. He loves you so much that He chose you in the beginning, in His Son, Jesus Christ. He loves you so much that He put His own Son, Jesus Christ, on the cross. He loves you so much that all things, every second happening, is together, doing all work together for your good to establish you and to refine you. He loves you so much that your salvation is secure in Jesus Christ who knows your weakness and who is willing to help you when you are in trouble. Come, dearly beloved, Come again. Come boldly unto the throne of grace that you may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need because His love will never change. He loved you. He loves you. And He will love you Forever. And this unchanging love should cause us to worship Him. This unchanging love should cause us to praise Him, to obey Him, and to live unto Him alone. May each of us today can be strengthened by His unchanging love and then praise Him forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Our Lord, our Lord Jesus Christ, Thou art such
a merciful Lord. Thou hast not treated us according to our unfaithfulness. Lord, we confess that many times we come short of Thy glory. We complained, we murmured, we questioned Thy love to us. But Lord, we are truly sinners. Thou knowest us. Lord, establish us again. Lift up, lift up our heart again. Help us to see thy unchanging love. Help us to see that our salvation is unchanging. Our faith, our love, thy love toward us is unchanging. Thy mercy, thy love toward us is unchanging. Lord, help us when we live in this world to obey thy word out of the love of thee. And Lord, also, we pray for those who still do not have a relationship with Thee, yet, Lord, use Thy Word to soften their eyes, to soften their hearts, to see that Thou art the true living God who never changes. Thou art not man. Help them to run to Thee, to run to our Lord Jesus Christ, because this gospel is free offered to everyone. Thou wilt accept everyone who come to Thee, Lord. Help each of us to fix our eyes upon Thee. And we pray in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.